evening, guys. I'll just let you catch up. It always takes a, a few seconds to get through. I know it does start running um, a little bit earlier than it does come through on my computer. Let's have a look. We are live. We are live. Good evening, guys, uh, and welcome to the Accidental Journalist Live and on Drugs uh, Series 3, Episode 5. Um, tonight we are with uh, motivational speaker, author, um, Joey, well, best-selling author, um, Joey Pagano. Um, hi, Joey. Thanks for coming on, mate. Hi. I'm definitely glad to be here and look forward to the podcast and the show. Cool. Um, I'd like to take my guests back to the start of their journey. So we could go right back to the start of your journey uh, and go from there. Oh, all right. You know, I uh, like I said, I, I could never, never lose sight of my past. Uh, it kind of it, it's buried in my heart, you know. And uh, I tell you what, I'm, I'm I'm from southwestern Pennsylvania in America. Um, it's the uh, like I said, the the southwestern corner. And, uh, you know, it's rural, very rural area. And, uh, you know, I, I grew up in a little town called Charleroi. It's a little Belgium town. And, uh, you know, it was, uh, it was a good town, good family. And uh, I tell you what, I, I, I grew up with my own trauma and, 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 you know, different forms of abuse from the past. And, uh, you know, I, I came up and, and like I says, I, I wasn't that kid that was told my parents like when I was a kid where or I want to grow up and I, I want to be a junkie. And I never said that. Right. Um, you know, but I found myself in in the pits of hell, we'll, we'll call it. And 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 I believe that 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 hell isn't just somewhere you could go, but it's what I carried around with me for 22 years. Right. 22 years. And 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 I couldn't stop using I couldn't stop using it. And I found myself in, in moments that, 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 you know, that, that suicide was very attractive, you know, just ending my life was, was somewhere that I just, I wanted to go there because uh, I couldn't see myself making it another day, you know, couldn't see it. I just, uh, I felt the hopelessness. I felt the despair and, and I, I couldn't make it, you know, and the disease of addiction would wake me up at night. It, it would, you know, it like, you got to get up. It's 5 a.m., Joey, wake up. And it would tap me on the shoulder. And the disease of addiction is so powerful. And I tell you what, and it just gave orders. And I suited up for duty every day, right? And I marched to the beat of the drum. And that drum, it played a song. And those words said, Joey, you got to get one more. And one more was never enough. I lived in the land where promises were never kept when the drugs and money ran out. I lived in the place where hope and despair run wild, right? I lived in the place where the disease of addiction went on me and it, and it went to work on me. And the left side of my, the left side of my brain would come up with ideas and the right side of my brain would try to buy them, right? And, and, and I marched and I suited up every day. And that was the hell I lived in. You know, and I don't know who's listening out there. And, and Greg, you you could maybe identify with me, right? That that was it. That was, you know, it was a dark place. You know, and I I uh, okay. I I couldn't uh, 
I tell you what, it that 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 place is just locked in my heart. And 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 every every now and then when I, you know, whether I'm in uh, you know, the pits of despair or whether I'm wherever I'm at in my life, like I go back to that. You know, it's it just living in abandoned houses. And and listen, I I remember just like just going back there and I just couldn't get out. And, and I would crawl on the wall of right of, of, of reality. And I would just beg, I was beg reality, just let me out. And please, I, I, I remember walking past, I used to, listen, I used to walk past uh, houses. And, and, and I live in this little suburb town of, of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, right? It's a little suburb town, like I was saying, Shalori. And we have a population of 3,000. I remember just going past, going past like in, 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 people's houses and seeing them eating dinner and 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 just wishing that I could I that I could just do something normal and, and like there was no normal right it was just it was just like stigma stigma of addiction it made me who I was and I was I was locked in a closet and locked in this in this closet I couldn't get out couldn't get out and and the bonds of stigma of addiction right it, it was you know, the addicts weren't looked, they weren't, they weren't looked at in any kind of favor, right? They, 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 I was, I was the epitome. I was, I was nothing and, and, and I couldn't escape and, and I just couldn't get out of my own prison. And the craziest thing is, is, is the, the, the lock of my prison, the key to that lock was in my pocket and I couldn't pull it out. And I would try, I try to pull that key out, but, but my brain just told me, Joey, this is this is as good as it's gonna get. And you need to stay here. And 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 the disease was like, it was like a drill sergeant. It was just waking me up every morning, 5 a.m. And I just kept marching and kept marching. And uh, you know, there's no birthdays, there's no holidays, there's no there's no anything, right? There's no Christmas, Thanksgiving, all those holidays we have in the world, none of that when the listen it, it it was it was one more and not enough it was wake up go marching you got to get your fix right i was only dreaming of any kind of i, I miss love I, I miss family you know i i had a i have a i have a son he's 18 years old and you know i um i missed him man and i wanted to go through a christmas with not selling his stuff you know i i I try to get clean and I would, uh, I'd buy Christmas presents and, but the disease doesn't, it doesn't let holidays happen at all. And, and it was, it was, it was hell, man. It was hell. And I, and I, I was, uh, suicide be kept becoming more and more attracted, attractive. And, 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 and I knew that, uh, I didn't know how much longer I could last. I just didn't know how much longer. And I was I was ready to end it. I, I remember so many times and 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 you know, I I I just wanted the pain to stop. And I didn't know how to keep the pain 
I, I didn't know how to just keep it from hurting me. And, and, and it was the pain of like, it was my, it was my voices, the voices of my parents. And right. I, I just wanted to be that son. I just wanted to be that father. I just wanted to be that brother. You know, I, I wanted to do something with my life. Like I had dreams and I was a kid and I, and I wanted to be a nurse and I wanted to be a doctor and I wanted to help people. You know, my profession I have now, I always say that, like, I didn't choose to do that. Right. My profession of social work chose me and would chose me through these moments. Right. And, and, and it throw it, it chose me through this desperation. And I had such desperation. Like I, I, I remember I just I couldn't I couldn't take it anymore. I remember just day after day and just saying, please, God, just kill me. I can't take anymore. I can't go through this addiction anymore. I, I, I couldn't just wanted to be okay i just want to stop hurting and i couldn't i the, the pain was unbearable i couldn't bear i couldn't bear this pain and, and i couldn't i didn't want to like i was slowly committing suicide right it was like suicide on the payment plan and uh i was stuck i was stuck and i didn't know what to do i didn't know what to do and and I and I hope the listeners out there can conceptualize and like and picture this and and maybe identify if applicable, right? And uh, you know, these were my bitter ends, and and right, I had nothing. I was nothing. Like my parents were just like, "You got to go," you know. I had nothing left. Living in abandoned houses, struggling to survive, and that's, I mean, I, I, that's all I was doing was surviving. I was uh. I was barely living and uh, just waiting to to either wait, waiting to die or uh, or just live, unfortunately, in the degradation and the dereliction of uh, of active addiction. You know, and it's it's a dark place. It's a dark place, and and you know, uh, so many people that I talked to today, and uh, maybe I identify what i'm saying because you know that stigma like I, I didn't even know there was recovery like I, I didn't know there was anything like that i remember throughout it, like there was a point to where and, and this is when like suicide was attractive and it, it was a point where like i didn't know there was recovery like it was just you you go you 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 get high and you use and you just live in that dereliction and you're stuck on the streets and and it's just you know uh, I remember not showering for for like for like a month you know and just eating and surviving on junk food and, and you know like I I couldn't see myself and I understand like how how this could happen but like it was a distorted comfortability in familiar pain. And that's what it was. I was living by default. You know, I was living by default and uh, whatever happened, happened. You know, whatever happened, happened. And I uh, I lost in the game of life. And that's what I thought. And it just, uh, these were the cards I was dealt. And, uh, you know, this is as good as it's going to get. And I uh, I couldn't take it. I, I couldn't take it and, and and just suicide just every day, every day it, it popped in my head more and more and more. And I, I failed and, and, you know, I didn't know what to do. 
I didn't know what to do. And I just, sometimes, you know, you get in moments like that and, 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 you know, you don't know how to get out of them. And, and I couldn't get out of that. Right. I, I had no hope, you know, um, life is hard. If you got no hope and whatever you're doing in life and, and you got, I mean, you got to have hope, you know, without, without some hope that, that, that something might turn around and, and, you know, with, what's life worth to me you know without a purpose you know i had no purpose in life and and i just i just wanted to be that just wanted to be a dad man i just wanted to be a dad and 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 i you know i abandoned my son i felt and i, I wanted him to see but uh i just you know i burned all those bridges and you know I, and i didn't know what else to do and I was ready to give up so many times. And what do you do in that situation? You know, it's just, there's nothing. And just nothing. And, and, and you wonder if life is even worth living. You wonder, like, what is there left for life? And, uh, you know, I, I always wanted to, to get, like, an education. I always wanted to, to, you know, to continue in school. And I barely, I barely graduated high school. Barely. I just squeaked by, right? Active active addiction was 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 held, holding me prisoner, and and the disease says you don't got no time to study, Joey. You don't got no time. I want all of you. You got a job, and your job is to get one more, and one more is never enough. Whatever that substance is to maybe a listener out there, that's what that was to me. And addiction is so powerful, right? It was just like one person uses for me, but the whole family suffers, right? The whole family, right? And I couldn't show up for my family, and my family was disowning me, right? And, and, and I remember, like, I, I didn't know what else to do. I don't know what else to do, right? And the drugs are progressing, right? And 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 it it, it just kept progressing. And, and I was turning, I was turning 18 and uh I had to escape. I uh I remember going in the military and I went in the military to escape, right? And I figured maybe they don't use. <laughs> uh but uh you know that that kind of wasn't the answer. And and you 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 can't escape addiction. Can't. You can't escape addiction and I, you know, it just got, it, it just progressed and it got worse. And, uh, you know, I, I didn't realize that I, that I took me with me into like the army and, uh, I, 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 I kept using, it got worse and worse. And, and, you know, um, see, this was an, this was a time in the military. See, I was in the military in the nineties and, and you always hear like with the LGBTQ, you always hear the don't ask, don't tell and stuff like that, but they don't talk too much. They, it, that's how it was with addiction. And that's how it was with addicts. Right. And we, and I was, was shamed and, and I was like the bottom of the barrel and I, and I was like nothing. Right. And I remember like, trying to fit in in the military and uh you know and just trying to like find myself like joey where are you at and i, and I couldn't find me right and and, and uh I, I wanted to be a soldier first i got excited maybe this is what maybe this is where i need to be but i but i found out that like no like, like I, i'm an addict and i didn't know i was an addict still didn't know yet right they they treated me very badly and uh you know, I got kicked out of the army for, for using drugs and I got a scarlet letter, right? And other than honorable discharge and, and, you know, and they dropped me off at like, I remember them dropping me off 
And like I said, I didn't imagine this. I don't even know I'm an addict. I have a disease of it. You have a disease of addiction. You have no idea you're an addict. You're using, right? And you're getting thrown out because you can't stop using. You weren't offered recovery. You don't even know there is, like, like I said, you don't even know there is recovery, right? And then the next thing you know is they're dropping you off on the interstate where you have to walk tens of miles to anywhere. You're in, in a in a foreign place. You know what I mean? You can't stop using, and 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 the disease is like i told you joe I, I i told you you were worthless see now you couldn't even survive in the military right and, and the disease ain't talking to me about any kind of recovery i didn't know there was recovery at that time i didn't even know there was and i didn't know what recovery was or anything I, yet alone that, that i was an addict or, or like that anything like that i mean all i knew is like you're this right and and, and you're this low, low person. And we're just going to kick you out and we're going to send you back to where you came from. Right. And uh, it, it, it doesn't matter. And, and, and there's, there's nothing for you. You're worthless. And I have no self-worth, no self-esteem, nothing. I am trash at that moment. That's what I felt. And I went home. I went home and and then the using really started, right? It just it got fueled me. I, I don't even know I'm an addict. I, I don't know there's treatment. You know, I don't know there's anything. Didn't know there or anything, right? I'm hanging out with people that they use. They're like me, right? It, it, like I said, I, I that's that's all I thought there was. You know, I couldn't stop using. It got worse. The using got worse, and and, and I just. There's no way out. I just felt there was no way out, you know. You know, um, and I spent years in that, years and years, right? Trying to get in relationships and trying to, like, like I said, I wanted, I wanted, I wanted a woman. I wanted a wife, right? I wanted to be there and like a normal person. I wasn't normal. It's like newsflash. I'm not normal. You know what I mean? Today, I don't ever want to be normal, right? But like, I didn't realize that I'm not normal. And, and and I have the disease of addiction and, and I need to get that treated and I need to find myself some sort of program. Like, like I couldn't see that stuff. Couldn't see that stuff then. And, you know, I found myself uh, in, in the bitter ends, you know, uh, I'll, uh, I'll share this moment. And, and, and this was, uh, this was, this was it for me. And I was, because it just, you know, my life just kept, kept progressing and getting worse and getting worse. And um, I couldn't stop. And, you know, years passed by, decades, um, stuck in addiction, stuck in hell, just living there. You know what I mean? Just, just, <laughs> you know, they always say like, you, you ever hear, get busy living, get busy dying. I stayed busy dying. I stayed busy. And I kept digging, right? You hear some people that talk about like they dig bottoms and they could get deeper and you could go deeper. You know what I mean? I just, I, I, I packed a shovel wherever I went and it was always worse. And I just stayed at that bottom. And uh, I remember the, the morning. So I was, uh, I was at my house and it was maybe, I don't know, six, 7 a.m. And uh, right, the disease just, the addiction was my alarm clock, right? And it just said, wake up, Joey. And I woke up and, uh, you know, I got out and uh, 
I, I got dressed and I was wearing the same clothes probably all week, probably all month. Right. I didn't have anything. And uh, I got out and I and I I knew I had to, to get my fix. If I didn't get my fix, I was going to be dope sick. Right. I was being opiate withdrawal. I, I, ain't, I don't want to be sick. Addict doesn't want to be sick. And uh, I remember just marching down the street and uh, I just kept marching and I could barely move my legs. And it was, I felt like hell and uh, I was sweating. I just needed to get a fix. I didn't want to be sick. Just please, God, just stop, stop. Just, just, just end this right now. And I'm screaming out to God and I'm telling him, like, I just want to die. I don't want to do this anymore. And, and the disease just kept going. Like you march, you're not being sick, Joey. And I, and I would be yelling and I would have conversations with myself and, and I would lose everyone. And, and finally I got to the end of my time. Like, like I, like I said in the beginning, I live in a town where everybody knows everybody. Right. Um, 3,000 people population, and they all knew me. And I was, I, I, I'd always wear a hood, right? I always have a hood on top of my my head. And I was uh, was always ashamed of, of people seeing me. And uh, I remember coming up to this gas station, and I said, uh, I, I didn't want to go in there because I didn't know what I, I didn't know what, I didn't know what to do. But I didn't have any money. And I had to get high. And the disease says, you march in there and you get money and you do whatever you got to do to not be sick, Joey. And I said, yes, sir. Right. March saluted the disease of addiction and marched right in. You know, when I, uh, I robbed the gas station, I, uh, I robbed the gas station and, and, and I knew that it was going to get worse every day. Every day, if this is what I if this is what I was doing on Monday, I was going to do something worse on Tuesday, and and like I said, and the disease had me believing, you know, it, it, it as I walked in there, it was telling me, listen, they're not going to know who did this. You need to go get high, Joey. You need to go get high. You need to. And as soon as I as soon as I came out, the disease said, and it tapped me on the shoulder and says, hey, Joey. You know they're going to know it's you. You know they're going to know it's you, and you're going to get caught, right? And the disease would play tricks like that. And I was, I, was, I was ready, and I was at my bottom, like the bottom I've ever been, right? Just, just laying there and just feeling horrible for myself. But I, and, 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 I, and I walked across the street, right? And, and I walked across the street, and I, I kept going, right? I got my fix. And I kept walking down the street and uh, I got to this corner in my town and across the street, it was the uh, local police station. And uh, I sat down, I sat down on the curb and I had a phone. I don't know how I had a phone still. Everything else was sold. I, uh, I called my mom, I called my mom and I said, uh, I, you know, I was sitting down, called my mom and I said, Mom, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry, but uh, you're not going to see me again. And um, I failed you, and I failed you as a son, and I'm sorry. I says, I just I just robbed the gas station. I can't stop using it. It's going to be bad. I need to kill myself now. 
And I just, I, I hurried up and I talked real quick and she's screaming, please don't go nowhere. We love you. And uh, I said, no, I'm going to end it right now. I says, I'm sorry. And I hung right up. I hung the phone right up. And um, yeah, I'm just looking back like, how did I do that to my mom? How, how do you tell your mom you hang up? And, uh, you know, I, I, you know, put the phone down and, and bowed my head and, uh, and I was ready to just, just end my life. And, um, uh, next thing I knew, I, I felt I was, I was being carried across. It was, it was like, I was getting carried across the street. Like it was like a will of my, like, like a knot of my own. I don't know. Like, like I, I know I did it, but I don't know how I did it. And it, it was like a, a a moment of clarity, a spiritual awakening, a, a a moment where like my life was I didn't know what was happening, and I and I walked across the street, and I and I and I walked in the side door of the police station, and uh, I walked in there, and, and I was looking all disheveled, and and you know I looked bad, and I said, um, can you please just arrest me? Cause I'm going to kill myself and it's going to get worse every day. I'm the guy that, that robbed the gas station. I can't stop using, just please take me. And uh, the police chief was there and another guy and he took me into custody. And um, I said, I, they looked at me and like, like, are you crazy? What are you doing? I said, listen, I'm tired of, of getting busy dying and, and I want to get busy living. And, and, and I've been clean ever since. I'm clean ever since. And that was that was my moment, man. That was the moment that uh, you know, it 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 changed my life. It changed my life and and, and I wanted to live. I wanted to live and, and I wanted to help all the people I could. And, you know, my life was changing. My life was changing. And 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 that moment, um, you know, I realized that like, you know, our in life, right, as a human, like our our struggles do not define me, right? My struggles do not define me. They refine me into who I am today. It shaped me. That moment shaped me who who I am today and, and made me realize that like that that it just doesn't define me. And it just, those, those memories, they help me, they help me help others. And, and I'm able to share that, but that moment in my life, it just changed the, the trajectory of my entire life. Um, I was able to just get busy living and listen, that is exactly what I did. You know, listen, my clean date is June 1st, 2013. And, and and that is that is the moment that I became alive. And that is the moment that I, I feel like I was born. And and those struggles helped me. They made me who I am. And, and like I said, and, and I wouldn't take back anything. As horrible as those 22 years of active addiction that I just told all the listeners and, and told you, like, as bad as that was, I wouldn't trade any of it. I wouldn't trade any of it because it made me who I am. And I, and I wouldn't have chose. I wouldn't have chose what I do and who I am today. I would have never chose that, right? I, I Why would I ever want to help people as a social worker 
because I mean, I, I would never pick that. But like I said, some things in life, we don't choose, they choose us. And, and I believe that. I believe that. That moment just uh, made me who I was. And, um, you know, I, I still have flashbacks here and there. And, 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 I, and, I, and I think that I'll always have that. I'll always have moments that I go back to. Um, and it keeps me, keeps me centered, you know, keeps me centered. And uh, that, that, was, that was the darkest moments of my life. And, and you know, after that moment, and, and, and after that, those hard won experiences and, and, and those bitter ends, I'll tell you what, I, I, I was filled, right? I went from that desperation that I, that I just told everyone, the desperation to passion. And, and I believe passion is like that God within, right? It's that, it's that energy that, that I was on, I was on fire for recovery. And, and, and you know, I didn't look back. Right. I, I told you, I, I barely graduated high school. You know, I, I remember, you know, getting some clean time and rolling in school and, and, and just going part time at the time. And, and I couldn't see anything past, you know, today. But I found myself just having some faith. You know, I, I, I stayed in school. And uh, like I said, like social work picked me. Um, I, I got involved in a in a nonprofit recovery group called Club Serenity Inc. And, and, I, and I became the president of that. And it's it's like a recovery group that that you know has has came to fruition from from something small that 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 you know I was helped to just I helped it uh, uh, get to where it's at now. Right. I mean, I was getting excited. I'm, I'm from a town that that stigmatized addicts and, and addicts didn't have a good name. And so I'm in this recovery group and I'm the president. And and like I want to make us like a legitimate entity in the recovery world and make us like some kind of business. So I, rem I rem listen, I, I didn't have schooling at the time. Uh, I barely graduated high school. I remember like teaching myself how to write grants and, and how to uh, write a form a 501c3, a nonprofit entity in America. Uh, I remember I, I taught myself that from watching YouTube and I taught myself like legal stuff. So um, I'm on fire for recovery and and I get excited with people from the, the area and 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 then they they these guys and girls they, they joined our recovery group and now now we got like a we're, we're like recovery cowboys and we're just running around and and just trying to help people and nobody's getting paid right we're just we're just like recovering our our butts off right and i used to go to the the city had a had a, a council meeting and it had all the stakeholders in the city and i go there and i would speak for the addicts and, and i was like listen we need housing and we need transportation and there's so many disparities in our area right and these disparities have hurt us and, and addicts need help too and I would advocate, you know, um, for us. And, uh, you know, I, I did whatever I could. Listen, people thought I was crazy. And I probably was. I, I, I got my whole car. Listen, I have a car. And I had like this Dodge Dart. And I, as this red Dodge Dart, and I, and I got these decals, they have these car wraps and people get them all over their car. And, and, and I got the car wrapped with this 
with this phoenix and this phoenix is like an attic it rises from the ashes and it had these hands that come like this on the front hood and people like it was like the recovery mobile and i'm driving around just helping people you need to go to treatment let's go fill up with gas and taking them to, to some kind of rehabilitation unit and i'm just helping people you need food let's figure it out and i'm like a recovery cowboy helping and and uh that went on. It went on for years. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm helping people um, on, on a large scale and I'm making a difference. Um, and I'm, I'm excited about recovery. You know, I uh, and like I, I, I think that life is uh, is building in is built up in seasons. Right. And not seasons like winter, summer, spring, fall. I think there's seasons in our life where. You know, one thing might not be good for one season, but it might be good for another. And I think the universe, God, however you want to say, like it pushes us into different seasons. And, and like, that's what happened to me. And I got right. I, I remember I'm, I'm the president of Club Serenity and I, and I got pushed out of that season and another door opened and I was and I was being able to be a service in different areas. And, and I. You know, I I felt like, listen, I need to be of service more with my family, right? And and I I met a girl and and she was in recovery, and and like I didn't pick her, my girl, right? It was like I said, that was another thing. Like someone else told me, like you should date Jody, and and I was like, Jody's my friend, and, and like that, it, it just happened like that, and it was like not me doing the choosing, me getting chosen, and it was another instance where. You know, uh, I found my wife and, uh, you know, I, I fell in love with her and I fell in love with her daughter. Um, you know, I don't have a stepdaughter. She might be a stepdaughter, but I call her my daughter. Right. Uh, and, and like I said, and I, I got I got loved by them and I learned to love them. And. Uh, and I got pushed in that season. And I, I remember just, you know, trying to want to serve my family better and uh Something told me, like, listen, like, you need to go to school full time. You need to, you need to increase your schooling. And I said, why do I want to do that? And, uh, you know, and I felt just to serve my family. And, and I got excited. And, you know, I, I, I kept going to school. And uh, I stayed involved. And, and, you know, I got another degree, right? I got an associate degree. It's my first degree. And, uh, you know, the same around the same time, the agency that I was in outpatient treatment at hired me. It said, listen, like, listen, I didn't even want to work and get paid. I remember being at Club Serenity and they, the executives, and, and, and I put this in my book, I'll, I'll talk about that in a minute, but, but it was another moment where, where I got chosen. I remember the executives come into our facility and said, listen, Joey, we love what you're doing. And, uh, we want to uh, we want to pay you at an actual job. And I says, I don't want to get paid. And I fought him. I says, I don't need getting paid. They're like, listen, Joey, we love what you're doing. We want to pay. Let us pay you and work at a job. I don't know if I could do that. I don't know. And I and I and I I didn't know. And I remember like looking at the ceiling and we had this sign in our facility and said, expect a miracle. And I didn't see that miracle when it was happening right then. And uh, I took that job. And uh, the same job that I'm at today, that I was, you know, that 
I was a client at in outpatient treatment years ago. I'm now a supervisor in a big drug and alcohol program, right? And, and I was a client with no hopes and couldn't get clean. Um, I, I stayed at that agency and, and, you know, now I'm married. I, you know, I, uh, I, I kept running in school. I got another degree. Then I got another degree. Then I got another license. Then I got another license. And I'm now a licensed social worker. Then I got hired at a, at a college. Then I'm a professor. Then I got, um, I'm also a therapist, a mental health and drug and alcohol therapist, right? Then, then I wrote a book. Then I wrote another book. Then I, then, then I had this, this idea. I, I was in the shower one day and, uh, I, I, I tried to meditate for a minute. I tried to just close my eyes and relax. And uh, I opened them back up and I felt it was like someone was tapping on me on the shoulder and it wasn't the disease of addiction. I felt it was just, just a message getting conveyed to me. It says, you need to write a book about stigma of addiction and like incorporate your own life story in there. And, and, and just try to help people in a different avenue. And I was getting pushed in a different season, right? It was a different season. And, and I heard up and I dictated that right into my phone. And so I didn't lose that thought. And uh, um, I dictated to my good friend and my colleague and, and the chief medical director, right? Dr. Scott A. Cook, who became the co-author to my new book, which I'm talking about. And, 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 and he said, listen, we need to write a book. We need to do that, and, and our and our belief system, it like is about they, they align, right? We, they, our belief systems align, and, and our book became uh, something where people could identify, and not just addicts, but but parents, but kids. I threw all these different experiences of of people that are collateral damage of addiction, um, that they need to hear it. I believe they did, they do, and. Uh, I wrote and I wrote, listen, when I got out of that shower that day, like it was like the scene from the Blues Brothers when they say like, we're on a mission from God. And I'm telling you what, I went downstairs and I wrote and I was a machine. I wrote, I, I, I felt like I almost got divorced while I was writing so much. It was no time for nobody, right? And I kept writing and I, and I wrote the book and I didn't stop till it was done. And this is while like in, in school for my fourth degree, which I'm in now, my doctorate of social work, but who'd have thought I was in, I was in outpatient therapy, right? I didn't shower for months. I didn't eat barely at all. No woman wanted to date me. I barely graduated high school. You know, now I'm writing a book while I'm in my doctorate, right? I'm going to be a Dr. Pagano next March. Um, like I was hopeless. I almost killed myself on this on, on the side of the, uh, across the street from the, from the police station i was ready to end my life and uh i just got busy living you know i have tattoos on my knuckle they say live life and that's what i've been doing man i have been i've been living life and you know i'm a licensed social worker and all that stuff and and, and i believe like you know i didn't get defined in, in all those hardships and all those all this stuff that, that happened to me and and 
and and happened by me. I I, I got refined and 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 as I got refined through all those experiences, I'm able to help other people and I'm able to help them, right? To dig them out of the trenches that they're stuck in, right? The corner that they're locked in from their stigma for whenever they're going through. And like that's the that's the theme. So, you know, um we wrote that book and uh Dr. Cook helped me, and it was called No Addict Left Behind. It's a recovery medicine state of mind. And, and you know, we we wrote that, and we it, it's just, you know, I'm not, I don't got the cure for addiction, or I don't got anything like that. And, and, and I'm not trying to um, represent any modality, method, right, method of, uh, of, of recovery. Like, it's just about, like, my experiences and, and how stigma is real, and, and it's about what I do at my job and what, what people did to me. We meet people where they're at, not where I'm at. No matter how many degrees I get or whatever it is, it's my job as a human being to be kind. It's my job to like help people, not enable them, but like help them through their process so they can get out of their dark corner. And, and that's what people did to me. Um, and, and, and people, you know, and, and some people didn't. You know, um, but it's just about just loving everybody and uh, letting people get, you know, find their process through through all this. And, and like that's that's kind of that's kind of where it went. And and like that's my story. And, and you know, right now um, I'm just trying to help people and I'm trying to continue to get the word out on my book. My book is, uh, you know, all those experiences. It gives experiences about like, right, like no veteran left behind. You know, I told you about like how I got shunned, that stigma as a veteran. It's about no kid left behind, no child left behind, right? You know, those experiences about like kids um, can be able to love their parents, but discern, right? Use discernment. Like they don't have to love them for right next to each other. Sometimes you have to love people from way over there. And people had to love me from a distance until I was ready to meet them halfway. Because I can't want it more than someone else, and, and and the kids can't want it more than their parents, and the parents can't want it more than their kids, you know. Um, and I I included, listen, I interviewed my mom. I remember overdosing one night next to my mom, and you know I interviewed her and put her in the book, and and she talks about you know experiences that, you know, it's going to be very emotional. And some people aren't going to be able to read it. Some people are, but it, I think people need to just see what addiction, what addiction does and seeing through the eyes of a parent, seeing through the eyes of a kid, um, you know, and then seeing through the eyes of a practitioner, right? Dr. Cook, we talk about, um, we give, we give some solutions of, uh, you know, the different, different avenues and, and recovery is individualized and it's just nothing there's no cookie cutter process throughout recovery and, and and I don't got every solution but all I got is like parts of my story and in my experiences that that help people see the stigma's real and, and you know it, it's just about loving people it's about loving people through their process and you know that's uh that that, that was my journey you know I I want to continue to help people and and, and like I said is uh I, I you know, I want to continue to speak and, and, and maybe people could identify and if it just saves one, I, I gotta be, I gotta be happy. As long as it just saves one person, I, I gotta believe it's worth it, you know?
And and like I said, I'm I'm sure we got the accidental journalist show. Like like it, it, it's it's you have a purpose, and 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 if we just help one person, like whatever we're doing in life, it's all worth it. It's all worth it, and at the same time, it it helps us, and, and it you know it, it it just you know we're passionate about what we do, and and you know, and that's what people need. People, you know, I, I got inspired by people, just like I'm sure I inspire people, and. You know, it's a, you know, we have this stuff in our, in our lives um, for reasons. And, 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 and I think people need to see that, you know, I don't got all the answers, but uh, listen, it, it, you know, the one thing I always hope people could take from me is just, you know, it's just loving someone, love, love someone till they're ready to love themselves. And, and, and sometimes you got to love a little more. And, and there's, there's some people that just need an extra hug and they're just, people just need our time. I mean, I think that's like, we're on this earth just to be kind. And I think, I think that's what it is. And, um, and that's what I try to do. That's what I try to do to people in my, in, in my professional life, in my personal life, um, you know, and especially in my family life. I try listen, I went to school. I did well. The miracle is not just me going. It was my wife seeing me go. Right. Me and my wife had back to back graduations. She's seen me go. I got my master's. She got her associate back to back. She didn't plan on school. School chose her. Right. And she saw my miracle. Right. My daughter, who she don't like, she's a 14 year old kid. She's not a big fan of school. And but she saw her parents. Right. She saw her parents go. And, and maybe like she picked up her schoolwork a little more. Like that's what it's about. It's about like, you know, seeing that and being that example, right? And, and and like I said, and like letting my daughter in her autonomy and letting her be her because I learned how to do that through my life and letting her like develop in, into the girl she's going to be, right? And if she does, like I said, and she's, she knows that her parents went through these, these hard-won experiences, but, you know, and we're always going to be there. It's about just being able to communicate with our kids because it's about no kid left behind, no daughter, no son left behind, right? And, and when they struggle, you know, their parents are there and they have their own experiences. But like, I don't need to be up on my high horse and tell them what they have to do. You know, there, there's things, there's some things they have to do in life as a kid, but I try to be, you know, effective in my communication to her so she could see. And I learned all this stuff from my own experiences, right? From my own, just... Just it's about meeting someone where they're at. It's about principles and social work principles such as self-determination, right? It's it's about self-determination. It's about empathy. You know, we hear about being trauma-informed, um, collaboration, empathy, compassion, all those principles to let people be who they are and escape from their own dark corner. You know, if my daughter turns to addiction one day, she knows that her parents, right? Her I can't stop her. And I'm not going to go crazy thinking that I can keep her in some kind of corner and stop her. She's going to make a choice at some point. But her parents, I need to be the be the parent, like the father that is there open for with communication and there to love her and not shun her and not just be that dictator, but instead be that loving parent. And, and 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 to try not to judge her, be that parent, right? I got to be that 
protector and provider, but at the same time is she knows she could come to me if that happens. So I really try to work on that. And, 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 and all these hard-won experiences have shaped me into who I am today. And that's, you know, that, that that's who I am. And um, I'm grateful. I'm grateful for this, you know, for my life, like every bit of the pain, every, every trial, every tribulation, the jail, when I went to jail, when I, when I, you know, where every time I was dope sick, every time I almost killed myself, every time my parents says like, you got to leave, we don't want you around here anymore. I needed that. I needed that. Um, I don't know if I'd have made it without that. You know, it just, it just built me in who I am today. And today I'm a, I'm a loving father and I'm a loving son and um, I'm an addict. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm everything else. Um, but most of all, I'm human and I made mistakes. But once again, like, and I can't stress, like, there's no failures. There's no failures at all. There's just delayed successes. And that's me. And I believe that in my heart. And, 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 and I believe that passion is that God within. And, and I try to stay passionate about and have convictions in, 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 in my belief system. And, um, you know, social work is in my blood. And uh, I just believe it, uh, it chose me. And uh, that's just who I am today. And, uh, you know, I'm just happy. I'm just happy to, to, to be who I am today. And, uh, you know, it, I'm just grateful. You know, and I try to convey that gratitude and and with my life and, and my actions and how I live and you know and how I practice whatever you know in, in therapy whatever I'm doing. So I try to convey that um, it's about unity and love and, and unity and autonomy, not like uniformity and, and, and dictator, you know, dictatorship. But it, it's just about love, you know. It's just about loving people and uh, being kind. You know, that's what I believe, man. That's what I believe, and it's in me, you know. I just thank you. Well, um, yeah, thank you for being so open and honest. Um, I can appreciate your story on many levels. I can, you know, our story is a different to a certain level but I can um, you know I, I, I know about that hopelessness hmm. and the jails institutions and death yes is where it took me and you know for me my moment my moment my first moment of clarity was 27th of June 2000, well, 26th of June 2014, about 10pm, I'm sat in a crack house and I've lost everything in my life, you know, I've, 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 I've you know, my marriage, my, my children, everything, I'd lost everything, all respect from the community that I lived in. <clears throat> I'd had what nearly 12 years clean and sober and I messed it all up and I ended up 
homeless and addicted again. And I, I was sat in this crack house and um, I had this huge, great pipe. And, you know, just before I sparked up, I, I, I said, God, I don't even know if you exist. You know, I don't know, even know if I've been praying to the right person for, for years. But if you do take my life now, hmm. I'll take away this um, hunger, this thirst for drugs. Uh, and I took this almighty hit on the pipe. And 10 minutes later, I was asleep hmm. on crack cocaine. Um, and I woke up about four minutes past 12, four minutes past midnight on the 27th of June, 2014, and I haven't used the day since. Um, and like you said, you've got your purpose. This mm. is my purpose. Yes. Um, my books are my purpose. Um, I was given a, I, I'm, I'm a man of faith, uh, yeah. you know, talk about the God inside, what the God inside me is, is, is the God of Abraham. Um, and you know, I'm a, uh, a active member of my church and I'm part of this thing called the School of Supernatural Life, mm. which is derived from uh, the Bethel Church, uh, something that was done at the Bethel Church in Redding, California. Mm -hmm. And it's about teaching people that, um, God is so supernaturally natural, but so naturally supernatural. And, um, you know, I went there as a student hmm. initially, um, you know, and I'm now one of the assistant leaders. Hmm. Uh, and from day one, people, you know, people were telling me that um, I'm going to be a voice for people that don't have a voice. Um, and, you know, and I'm going to change the way that um, platforms are used to carry voices and I, I'm thinking, oh, are these people mad? I don't, you know, and, and then uh, back in 2021, during mm -hmm. lockdown from coronavirus, um, my, mm -hmm. my friends, like I said to you before we started, my friend said, um, let's do a podcast and I haven't looked back since. Um, you know, this, I, I like talking and I like speaking about my life and I like speaking about my recovery. Step 12. Yeah. You know, carry the message. I believe it's my duty, um, but it's not just my duty. It's my blessing, my pleasure. Yeah. Um, and, you, you know, I, I, but it's a platform. I like to speak, but I like to give other people a voice, other people, you know, a platform, uh, and then I'll chip in at the end like I'm doing now. Um, and it works. You know, I've, I've written three books. Um, just finishing off the fourth book right now. Um, I give a voice to um, people that were trafficked. Um, I was sexually trafficked as a child myself. So, um, you know, I uh, sort of deeply inherent in me. Um, that's where my heart is. Um, wrote a book about it. Uh, this book that I'm doing now is about domestic escaping domestic violence and abuse. Um, because I give a voice to the marginalised, because I know it's like not to have a voice. You know, I come from exactly the same sort of town, a rural town. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I live in a, you know, I, I live miles away from where I grew up. I grew up in a place called Yorkshire, which is very rural. Um, and mining towns. 
Um, and this, you know, the town, it's a small, where I live in Norfolk, it's a small town. And there's that sort of small town mentality mm -hmm. at times uh, where everybody knows everybody's business. Um, and addicts were stigmatised and they still are to a certain extent. You know, even when I lived in my local city, which is Norwich, which is nine miles away, um, it was still stigmatised, um, made to feel shame about who I was and what I'd done. Um, and, you know, now I, I, I like to get people like you on to help back home the fact that, you know, although we, we have a disease, a progressive disease mm -hmm. that is aggravated by drugs and alcohol, right? Mm -hmm. uh, <clears throat> you know, I'm, I'm an addict, yeah? Henceforth, drugs and alcohol are not my problem. They were my solution. Addiction's my problem. And, you know, trying to teach people that, trying to teach people that we need to be trauma-informed and we need to look at, um, you know, unbinding that trauma bonding uh, in the relationships that we're, we're in. We, we need to look at rebuilding relationships despite the trauma that we've had. We need to look at, um, uh, you know, just getting better mentally. Um, you know, if you've got a broken arm, you're going to go to the hospital. So if you've got a broken heart, what you're going to do? You, you need to get you need to get into recovery because that you know that for me mm -hmm. is my broken heart, um, which led me into my addiction. So you know, I, I love doing this. I love talking, and I love talking to people like you. Um, where can we get your book? Well, you can get my book. It's going to be available on Amazon.com. Okay, and that's going to be on, uh, it should be on all the Amazon sites, and that'll be on April 25th this year, and it will be uh, available there. Um, it could be, we haven't decided yet if it's going to be pre-order, so we'll just focus on April 25th. Um, my website uh, talks all about it. My website is noaddictleftbehind.life, okay, and I'm on all the uh, social media channels. Um, I got Facebook, Joey Pagano, and all, and also uh, Joey Pagano author, No Addict Left Behind. Instagram, uh, you'll see me, Grateful and Clean, and Twitter, Grateful Clean Seven. So I'm on everything, um, and and like I said, is I, I hope the book could, uh, you know, maybe make a difference in your life like it has in mine. Mm. Brilliant, brilliant. It's been such a pleasure to have you on, mate. Um, I've loved your wisdom and, you know, I always love it when people come on and share their experience and hope because it's just, you know, hope is contagious. Yeah, it is. It is. You know, desperation used to be contagious, but now hope is contagious and I'd rather spread hope. Um, so, yeah, as always, guys, um, I want to thank you for tuning in. Um, I see that there's been some... Uh, some comments as usual so i'll nip into the comment section and have a look in a little while um thanks for tuning in um i will see you guys tomorrow at 6 p.m uh where i'm talking to 
um, former 80s and 90s heart from Mr. Chesney Hawks um, about uh, his career and his film that he did back in the day called Buddhist Song. So that would be great. That's, that's a personal one for me. Uh, so, yeah, guys, I shall see you soon. All righty. Thank you so much.